And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we're Red Eye Radio, 866-90-RED-EYE. If you would like to get in, download our Red Eye Radio app today. And if you can't listen live overnight, you can listen when and where you uh, wish to. You know, as we talk about that, uh, the wealth tax that uh, was introduced into the California legislature uh, uh, yesterday that would tax you, has the ability to tax you on, well, would, they, I won't say it will have the ability, they believe it will have the ability to tax you on your worldwide wealth mm-hmm. and the nightmare that would that would be just administratively to do something like that. I mean, there are so many other angles to uh, to hit this at. Number one, that this is one in a long list of things. I, I could probably talk about this all day. But you look at California and how we already know you have people moving from there and wealthy people moving from there. We know the situation with New York. We know how both Cuomo and, and Governor Hochul, you know, were telling people that disagreed with them to get out. Yeah. And then they put in policies that increase crime. As we have, uh, as we have, uh, as we've seen, that during COVID, uh, you know, without the evidence to back it up, and even with the evidence to back it up now, still want draconian rules and regulations. Then they get, then they're surprised when people move out, and they're continually being surprised. I mean, the one thing that you know, you and I talked about, and and you know, this is talked about in New York City. Oh, by the way, did you see the story that Chase is closing a bunch of New York City ATMs at 5 or 6 p.m. Yeah. To reduce crime. And there's other banks that have already done that. Right. They're closing the, the vestibules ATMs because the homeless are living in there. Right. And so they're just closed. They're, they're closing them up, closing them early, not open on weekends. Right. Not open after 5 or 6 o'clock at, at uh, night. The quality of life in many of these cities is going to hell. So what happens? Well, the people that have money and the ability to move, move. Yep. And and there seems to be no realization. And the first point I want to make, the first point of probably 8,000 here, I may be exaggerating a little bit, is this seems to be a, a bill that's passed because of, of spite, of anger, 
that, oh, all right, we're raising taxes and it's a high tax place, so they're moving. We need to punish them, and then we need to punish them after they move out of the state. Mm-hmm. It's almost an, an emotional rage envy response that yeah. you're now getting from the left. Right. No, it, it, it's um, – which it's always been that way to a certain extent, but now they're taking it even further. Look, we'll just take what you got uh, while you were here and – will continue to tax your wealth that you built while you while you lived here even after you move. Well, good luck with that. And and and, and here's the question too. You make it so which means it would be retroactive. That's a retroactive tax. It could be, I don't know if that's well, plan. well, the thing is, is that how do you assess wealth? I mean, the wealth exists now, and they're saying that it would be if you leave the state, we're going to still tax you. That's their proposal. Right, right, right. We'd still tax you on the wealth that you built while you lived here. So you can leave. Go ahead and leave. We're going to tax you on the wealth that you built the whole time you were here. So let's just say you started a company or whatever. And you built it up to fifty million, a hundred million, you know, whatever the amount is, and then you decide, well, I'm not going to stay here. It's a high tax state. I'm leaving. Well, that wealth they're still going to go after even after you've left the state. Well, remember, they're looking. Here's here's a question. I don't know. It, are they going to are they going to tax the worldwide wealth of you if you lived in that state? Do you need to have one property in that state for them? Do they believe to tax you? Because one thing I'm seeing here is that. You know, the critics, this is absolutely unconstitutional. You can't do this. Right. You can't do You can't tax a state. If you're state. no longer a resident right. and have no business there whatsoever, have no property there, then how is it that they right. can tax you? Right. Or if you do have property there, they can tax you a property tax, but a wealth tax because you have that one property on the entirety of your worldwide wealth would be unconstitutional. I don't see that passing constitutional muster at all yeah in the in the united states but there seems to be like this insane envy rage from the left that has particularly been highlighted over the last couple of years because of the co because of covid rules uh and because of the crime that has uh increased and the overall high tax rate of these states where over the last decade people are saying we're going to move right and so they've moved, and there's like this rage. How dare you move? Well, you're not going to move without pain. Like there's this, in, instead of logically looking at what do we want for our state? What will make us a, what will make us a vibrant state? Because these people are going to move. They're going to fight it. They're going to move their, they're, they're going to sell their properties that they have. They'll mm-hmm. sell them. May mm-hmm. take a while, but somebody will buy property. Somebody will do it. But the rich are going to get out, and as was brought up, the rich already pay in most of these states, the top 1%, 50% of the taxes. Right. And so you're saying, we want to get more, and then they leave and you get nothing. And that's why you had both Cuomo and Hochul, and in New York City, they're going, what are you doing? We've we've lost, you know, if if you lose... A thousand people that are worth 
I don't know, 200 million in a city like New York. Well, it's crushing to the tax base. Yep. And Cuomo even said, well, we realize because we're such a progressive tax that, and I forgot what it was in, in, uh, New York City, but it was like the, the top 1% pay 42, 43, 44%. This goes back a little way. I just remember the story mm-hmm. and Cuomo saying, we can't do that. And what did he say? He'd buy you dinner or something like yeah, that. Come on, come on if you over. Came back. Then Hochul does the same I'll thing. I'll cook you dinner. And they make it seem as if they can just do whatever they want with your property or your wealth that the U.S. Constitution doesn't exist and they wish to have a tax system that again the variables of what can what how you how you value wealth Mm -hmm. income is easy here's what you made we're taxing this percentage on that income yes it's behavior right you're and 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 it's in a it's in a finite currency amount right you have it right there Wealth tax? Well, I don't have no idea. What's an art painting worth? Right. Well, we're gonna we're gonna tax you one percent on that painting. Well, imagine this. Imagine that a person has a piece of land. I actually know somebody who told me a similar story. It's been passed down to them, and real estate agents have been trying to get their hands on it. Forever, but it's gone through generations of a family. So at some point, a grandparent or a great great or a great 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 or great 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 grandparent went in and purchased something, right? Or built something, started a business. And over whatever it is, however long it's been in the family, it's passed on. So this would be the taxing entity, taxing behavior that goes back generations. When you tax wealth, that's what you do. That's one That's one fallout from all of this is that you're saying because let's say they got this bill done in California. They started January 1st of 24. Well, the person that qualifies to have to pay that tax didn't just build that wealth starting January 1st of 2024. This is behavior, again, from years in the past and could be something that started generations ago. And then beyond that, how do you assess any of this? The only way to do that is to have an appraisal board mm-hmm. that the state would run, much like the central appraisal district that determines what the property tax is on your home. So they would essentially be charged with sitting there. It would be a bunch of bean counters. And the state, if they put it, if they write it into law as such, can do their own appraisal of your business and they don't need, they can just say, well, your wealth is this. What's the comp? Right. <laughs> exactly. What are the comps? Well, because you bring, and you bring up the point that How, housing is easy. You have the ability to go in and challenge when the central appraisal district issues, you know, a, a, a tax value. You have a period of time when you can go in and say, no, there's, you know, that that's not 
how much it is, and I don't owe this much in taxes. Well, where would be the ability to challenge the appraisal here? The appraisals, if you put together, and the only way you can do this is to have a state-run appraisal board to appraise the wealth. Well, when you issue that appraisal of the wealth of that individual, that individual should have the right, I mean, if it, assuming it would pass constitutional muster up to this point, which I really don't think it would, but imagine it did, then at that point, in order to keep its constitutionality, you would have to give that citizen the ability to challenge that and say, no, I'm not that wealthy, my wealth isn't that high, and that would be a nightmare back and forth. Because who's right? Is the state right simply because they say so? Or if you prove with documents, do you get deference because you brought evidence? Well, I'll never forget when uh, when uh, the last time I, I challenged my uh, my uh, property taxes, and I sat there and went, and I I can't remember exactly, but I was like, I think there are three appraisers, and so you know you lose or win, you know three nothing or two to one, mm-hmm. that's what's going to happen. So I went in and and I made my case, and I thought I made a pretty good case, and there was like a hundred thousand difference. And I said, I think it should be that. Now, I didn't know going in that they either take your number or their number. It's not in between somewhere, right. which might actually be what it is. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, well, that's unfair to begin with. You know, that's really unfair because you're not really looking at the tr- what you all believe are the true valuation. I'm taking a number here. They're taking a number, you know, the, the official valuation, you know, that the, that the, the, the county did at that point and then what I had. Mm-hmm. And it's either one or the other. It can't right. be, okay, we're going to set it here in between, right. which I believe would be a fair way to do it. Yeah. Because, again, right. you're just judging a property where you got a ton of comps. I'll never forget the one the one woman agreed with me. I went, wow, that's awesome. And the other two did not. Mm-hmm. And they said, sorry, we know your house is smaller, but because your house is smaller, it costs more per square foot. Mm-hmm. I went, why? That's the way it is. That's not an answer. Right. You know what I mean? But that's what I got. That's, you know, that's what it is. Now, if they say because people are willing to pay more and here's the evidence of that, that would have been cool. But they didn't do that for me. And I went, well, that's bogus. Right. Now, and and so I'm talking about something as as common as houses are all over the place where I could find a ton of comps. Mm-hmm. And then, for example, I don't have I, I don't I've got a, you know, behind me, there's a pond. So I actually don't have a house right behind me. Well, they they set a value with that. And it was like. Right. Well, that value is an extra sixteen thousand. Go, how? Right. right. <laughs> I mean, how do you value that? I mean, how is that? Va- and and so you just take that and you take it to artwork, stocks, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, uh, just anything that you may be involved in, uh, hedge funds, massive properties around the world, corporations that you may own in Europe. There's mm-hmm. no way that that's going to be fair or equitable. No. No. Because the only way for them to make this efficient at the state level is to assign an appraisal board. That's the only way you can do it. And what we say goes. 
and even if they give you the ability or window in which to challenge that value, your wealth assessment, doesn't mean they're going to give you that they're going to concede and say, okay, yeah, you're not worth $12 billion, you're worth $11 billion. Yes. <laughs> there is, you know, the, the because otherwise, again, look, I don't think this is going to, I, I don't think this is going to pass the courts. I, I just, I think I, if, if it were to go into effect or if it were to be signed into law, then it would be challenged immediately. Yeah, I believe it will. But many of the challenges are going to be, my gosh, before the, the court challenges, how do you implement this law? How in the world do you implement and enforce this law? 86690 Red Eye. Starting and charging system-related issues are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Knowing the warning signs that could indicate your electrical system needs attention can help you avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. Have your batteries inspected by a professional technician if you smell any unusual or strong odors coming from the battery box. A pungent odor could indicate chemicals are escaping from a damaged or overcharged battery. This report brought to you by Luberfiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. Progressive Commercial Insurance protects truck owners. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. The other reason I'm against this tax is the same reason that I'm against uh, the, uh, the, uh, the income tax. And, and uh, that is because of government's involvement uh, in so many things in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, look at the, I, I look at the formation of this country and what the founding fathers thought. And one of the things was just to be left alone. I want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. I understand that in order to run the government, the taxes must be paid somehow. But I never, I, I don't think the founding fathers, and I don't believe many people believe that uh, because of the tax law, government should know everything about your life. And they know enough when it with, in income taxes, especially if you're going to, you know, take deductions and, and do things like that. They can be extremely involved. Uh, in what you're doing in your life, a wealth tax takes them right into everything, every yep. single aspect yep. of of where you're going in your life, and so uh, that is something that that I'm against. I just don't. Government doesn't have any. I don't think. I know government has no business being involved in every little stinking aspect of your life to judge exactly what your wealth is, so they can take a part of it. Right. Uh, I know that uh, my wealth has already been taxed once. Mm-hmm. And most people's, uh, uh, you know, has gone through the tax system, at, you know, at least once, mm-hmm. and they want another bite at the the apple. The other thing that that really bothers me is, again, you know, we talk about why would they be doing this when they know it's unconstitutional? Well, because they are envious, jealous people who are enraged because they have taxed people to the point where people are leaving their state. And they want to somehow punish them. 
This yeah. is like a, right. you're leaving the state. We're going to punish you. Right. It's like an act of revenge for you not having the same tax moral mindset that they have. And this idea that you shouldn't have all these things. They use, by the way, the word have. I use the word earn. Right. And you shouldn't have all these things. So even if you have to sell some of these things to pay your tax burden, that's all the better for them. Because that means you don't own as much and then you hand part of that wealth over to the state repeatedly over and over again. Giving you 70% each night, Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. And and so when I when I look at, you know, when we look at the wealth tax, I'm saying I, but I know you have your own opinion, but we sort of agree on this. <laughs> when, when you look at the California wealth tax and, again, how they promote it, the other thing that I believe is completely inaccurate is how the left attempts to portray wealth as finite and you and i have had a lot of discussions on Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. that there's only a certain amount of wealth and they're hoarding it right as if the wealth that the rich have is basically you know planes uh houses yachts and that's it right when where is the vast majority of their wealth it's in stocks Mm -hmm. it's in investments uh, and that's where the vast majority of wealth is for the billionaires out there. Well, what is it doing when it's there? And where would you rather have the wealth, a significant portion of the wealth in this country? Would you want it with uh, a thousand billionaires or one government? Would you rather have it with a thousand billionaires who have it invested the vast majority in American society in industry and business that creates millions and millions and millions of jobs and creates the millions and millions over the years of new jobs. Money that's there for investment, or do you believe that it is best served by the monopoly of the government holding on to it? That's the question that it comes down to. Well, the jealousy and envy that drives this kind of legislation comes from people who believe that one person shouldn't have all of this. There are people that will say out loud without realizing what they're saying. My boss has billions of dollars. He shouldn't have all that. Well, then maybe he wouldn't be your boss which means you wouldn't be employed. Right. And these are the types of jealous and envious people who believe, in fact, many of them don't even care that they won't see a dime of that when the government takes it. They'll just get some kind of schadenfreude when that person loses that wealth to the government. It makes them happy. It satisfies some kind of morbid 
emotion. Well, and it's it's sort of like the, it's the same argument as it's uh, it's uh, it's better to have a state sanctioned minimum wage hmm. as if that makes a difference. For example, you know, you have states that minimum wage is what fifteen dollars an hour, mm-hmm. right? Sixteen dollars mm-hmm. an hour, mm-hmm. and there are states like Texas that still follow what the federal legislation is, which is seven twenty five an hour. Hmm. Is that really making a difference in poverty in the state? Or are no. you better off in a state that, for the most part, long term, has a lower unemployment rate, a higher economic growth rate, and a lower cost of living? Right. And so when you don't take those into consideration, it's almost as a, no, the best part is the federal government mandate, the government mandate, the government have the capital, the government mandate. Well, then you see where we're heading, <laughs> obviously. Right. Uh, we'll let uh, maybe Mickey from uh, Seinfeld scream the C word, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 the communist word at uh, at uh, Santa Claus Kramer. Mm-hmm. If you remember the ep- one of my favorite episodes, mm-hmm. just, it really is. Uh, and and so you know that argument, but you know the 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 argument of of envy and jealousy, which I believe really is, I've always stated this. When people have said, "Well, since I've been a talk show host, racism is the biggest problem." No, it's not. It's envy and jealousy. It's worried about what someone else is doing or someone else has, instead of worrying about your own damn life. Yeah, that to me has always been the biggest problem. Right. You spend too much time you know, worrying about what others are doing instead of just forgetting about that because it's meaningless of the success in your life. And, by the way, so is government having more capital. For the most people, it's meaningless in your life. It's not going to change, you know, where you go. But the other point is economics. By doing this, you're actually, by doing what California is doing, by doing what New York has done, people are leaving voluntarily. They don't like it. Right. You're hurting people. And then the people that are left, because you have such a such a burden there, then it's going to be passed down to the people that are in the middle class and the poor who can't who can't leave. They can't afford to leave in the state. And so you are the ones that burden them. Yep. Just like corporate taxes. And we've stated this for the longest time. The biggest lie that Democrats have on taxes have well, there's a number of them, <laughs> but I, I just I view this. I'm just so passionate about it because I believe that the biggest thing that the left has sold, that they look at the poor and people in poverty as the biggest suckers possible because they can actually put a stealth tax on them through corporate taxes and the suckers will go for it. Right. Punish those corporations when actually it's a stealth tax on them. It's one of the easiest ways or has been historically one of the easiest ways for lawmakers to tax low and middle income individuals because of that jealousy and envy corporations need to pay their fair share corporations get their money from you you raise the cost of doing business two things happen they raise the cost of their goods or services to the point the market will bear And they lay off people. They also move. As we have seen, they're they're going to move. And when you have, and that's what they've done. They've created, this this is the most incredible thing. 
They've created a state where the rich pay so much and they've taxed them to the point. And then, like I said, when the COVID, when the draconian laws came in, they go, we, we need to go to a state where we can do stuff. We've got right. money. I want to go do stuff. Right. And you know something? They're taxing the daylights out of us. It's time to move. Right. Crime is bad. Ta- crime is bad. They're taxing me more. I can't go outside. I'm going to Florida. I'm going to Texas. Right. And that's what people are saying. They're making the choice on their own. Nobody is coercing them. And uh, uh, go- Governor <laughs> Mayor Adams can put put up all the billboards he wants in Florida. Come back here, New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. That that's yeah, not right. That's not going to happen for the majority of them. <laughs> well, can you imagine? Well, I guess we'll go back. I mean, I saw a billboard. That really makes me do things when I see billboards. <laughs> and and then you know when when you look at what the IRA when when you look at government in general and the oppression you can see from from government and we've always said this and I don't care whether you dislike Trump or like Trump there's a great lesson to be learned by what the Hillary campaign and then the government did to him that yeah. was wrong yeah they set him up Hillary Clinton set him up Hillary Clinton and the DNC created a lie and sold the lie to the FBI and to the media. And they ran with something that was completely false. They got a special prosecutor. They went after him for f- three, four years. Yep. And I believe the impeachments would have never happened if it wasn't for that because they had to get him on something. And so they they, they did. If they can do that to a candidate and a sitting president of the United States with the power of law enforcement behind them, and we've seen what the IRS did. We saw what the IRS did to nonprofit groups. Yep. We saw how government can be corrupted. Well, the last damn thing I want is a government more involved in my life because of taxes. Had a great discussion uh, with a bunch of different uh, uh, friends the other day because there is no perfect tax system. When we, We've talked about the fair tax before, which I believe, did some Republican introduce it this week, like 23%? Uh, that was was going to be the you know the uh, the sales tax is what they yeah, were promoting right, yeah. I- instead of it and and great discussion on it with the with a, a few friends and a couple of uh, of uh, blogs and and uh, other social media uh, posts the look it's not a the sales tax is not a perfect tax is not a perfect tax there is no perfect tax there is no nirvana tax mm-hmm. there's problems with it that would have to be solved one of the problems is. You know, you take it away from somebody who was, you know, somebody who was retired and low income and you put a 23% tax on goods and services, that's inflationary like you can't believe. There's mm-hmm. a problem there right. because it, well, that's where you have to sit there and look and go, all right, the government needs to get involved and those are the people that get rebates when you become a senior citizen or you do whatever you have to do at that particular point. Right. You have a senior card. I don't know what it is, but you ha- there's a lot to be worked out even if you had a fair tax. Right. The difference is I view the fair tax as a better tax because of what we have seen, the abuses of what the federal government will do if they get the power. We've seen it. Right. And as you said one time with the federal government with health care, I'll never forget it. You said, I don't want a Democrat dictating my health care to me. I don't want a Republican dictating my health care to me. I don't want anybody dictating my health care to me except me and my doctor yep and how i decide to do it i don't want the government involved 
in the process of actually delivering that to me in a monopolistic way. Right. And, you know, and that's what, you know, and that you control the rules and right. and uh, and and also what's going to be allowed, what's going to be paid for, what's not. Right. So there is no there is no perfect tax, but I'm looking to go, OK, where is government really mm. abusing its power? Right. And you can say, where have they over the last few years? The IRS. Think about what they did to nonprofit groups. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to make it so you can't exist as a nonprofit. Right. You can't promote. We'll come after you. We're going to, you know, we're going to come after you. And churches, where they plan on coming, I, the Democrats want them to go after churches. Yep. Either you abide by what we say or you lose your nonprofit status. Yep. We're going to punish you. Yep. The tax system was never created to punish people because they did not ideologically believe what you believe. Yep. And that's what it's, that's what it's becoming. And, you know, I don't know. And, you know, you and I, I've said, look, if if you couldn't get because, look, we're not going to go to a fair tax tomorrow or next year. It's not going to happen in my lifetime. No, you're not going to see the sales tax. No, but it's but the question is, where should we be going? And if you could create an income tax at whatever the percentage would be with no deductions. No deductions. Mm -hmm. That way, the IRS doesn't you, you basically here's what you make. Here's your, you know, here's your W-2, boom. You're mm-hmm. taxed on that. Then there would be less IRS audits. There would be, you know, fewer IRS audits. And the IRS hopefully would be much smaller. If that would be a beginning step, I could see it. I don't see that coming in our lifetime. No, no. But it's where we should be going, understanding and seeing the abuses of government and the potential of how they can abuse their power and how easily corrupted they are because it's something late. We're looking at the Biden stuff every day. What the hell's the FBI doing? This right. is Trump. They'd be all over him. Right. You know, what do you mean? We're considering uh, more searches here. Well, of course you search. There's top secret documents. Right. Any logical person knows that you do it. Why aren't they doing it? Oh, because they're corrupt. That's what first thing that comes to your mind because they're corrupt. Why? Well, because they've been corrupted here, 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 here. Yep. So why not here? It's a two-tier system. There's yeah, not going to be exactly. equal justice. And and so when we see it happens, I mean that builds distrust in in a in a government. How do you get rid of it? You make it where government doesn't need to be involved, they're no longer involved. That's right. You limit their power. Yep. That's the Simple. entire point. So, yeah, and this all started on the wealth tax, but it all flowed together. And I said I had, we had 8,000 things to talk about. Maybe we only had 7,000. So We'll do 1,000 more here uh, in the next hour. <laughs> hey, my Internet's up. Yeah. All yeah. Right. Our Internet is up. Woohoo! We've been down all show, folks. Yep. So. Yeehaw! Yeah. All right. So good. Ma- maybe some uh, next hour, some uh, Crane Jean-Pierre. <laughs> well audio cuts we'll see <laughs> no but people are like no it's a blessing put the computers down <laughs> 866-90-RED-EYE we'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara earn personalized savings on commercial truck insurance with Smart Hall from Progressive learn more at ProgressiveCommercial.com not available in all states or situations Eric and Gary for the Eden Pure Gen 40. Heating bills are on the rise as much as 50 to 200% this year, but a powerful heating technology used by the Eden Pure Gen 40 is already. 
It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690. Uh, Red Eye, uh, we, we've, we've, we've got our audio back up because our computers are back up, so we're just talking about some of the audio we're going to play following the top of the hour. Yeah. And the one on Pete Ducey. Hmm. <laughs> is there a precedent for a president running for re-election after the FBI searches his sock drawer? You know, oh I actually thought about that. Over the weekend, I thought, does this change the, the the decision on running again in 24 at all? Well, I think we have to wait for everything to come out, don't we? Mm-hmm. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet, we're Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our app today and listen when and where you want. If you can't listen live overnight. All right, so here we go. The insanity continues uh, at the White House. Yeah. Let's just well, I'm just we'll just we'll we'll just play it. This was uh, yeah. Peter Ducey yesterday from uh, from Fox News and Corinne Jean Pierre. Hmm. Uh, president Biden is still intending to run for re-election in 2024, right? Uh, I'll just repeat what the president said after the midterm election, which is he intends to run. I'm going to be very careful from here, as you know, uh, because we are covered by the Hatch Act, and I'm not going to speak further to his process. Is there a precedent for people running for president after FBI agents search their sock drawer? (laughs) Say that one more time. Say that beginning part. Is there a precedent for people running for president after FBI agents? It sounds like you already know the answer to that question. Look, here's what I... I don't know the answer to that question. An FBI search of a president's residence is a big, big Here's what the president's going to focus on. He's going to focus on continuing to deliver for the American people. That's his focus. That's what he focuses on every day. That's what he's been focusing on the last two years. And nothing is going to change that. You think about the bipartisan infrastructure legislation. You think about the Inflation Reduction Act. You think about the Chips and Science Act. Bipart- those, the bipartisan one, the last two that I mentioned, done in a bipartisan way. That's what the president wants to do. He wants to continue to deliver on his economic plan that is going to build the economy from the bottom up, middle out. And that is what matters to the president. The House Oversight Committee chairman says this document situation has all the makings of a potential cover-up. Is President Biden involved in a cover-up? We've been very clear here from this administration. The president has been very clear that um, he takes this very seriously when it comes to the when it comes to classified information. When it wow, you don't have to go any further. She was stunned by that. That one. one that one took her breath away. Yes. Yes. Wait. <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, did she even look at the book? No, no, didn't even look at the book. Um, my mic's not working. Yeah, it is. We can hear you. No, it's not. 
<laughs> I mean, seriously, it is just horrible. Because the go-to answer right there would be, and it doesn't matter if it's a huge lie. No, he's not. And no, no. What's wrong with you, Pete? <laughs> you say no. Deny, deny, deny. Yeah. And she absolutely looked and sounded like this was her first question on her first day on the job. That was her worst moment yet. Yes, by far. And yes. and, and you would think that it would be early on, you know, going through the book, yeah. like it looked like no, that bicycle was spokes that going was, by. That was, you know, but that was the worst because, as you said, the only answer is no. No. Look, the president, we know. There is no cover-up here, look, Pete, and look, you know it. And then move on. Well, well, wow. You know, the... the uh, oh. Uh, as well, number one, she should have been schooled as to what to say when that question comes up. Right. And if you, it, but but see, here's the thing. This is why you hire somebody who knows what to do in that moment because you say in that moment the answer. the The only answer is no. The only thing you can do right now is deny. The president's done nothing wrong. There is no cover up here. No. Yep. And you basically scold him with your answer. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was the worst Oof. moment. That was, Oof. to me, the, the worst, by asking that question and her not saying, of course not. How dare you ask such a ridiculous question? Because they've done it on everything else. And then finally, the main question, I mean, the biggest question is, is the president involved in a cover-up? Right. That's the no, ultimate right. question. Yeah. That's the one where when you're sitting there in that, you know, with with everybody else from the press office, what possible questions are you going to might you ask and might you be asked and how should you answer it? That'd be the first one. Yeah. Is, a, is the president uh, guilty? No. Is the president involved in a cover up? No. Wow. Wow. Because wow. Those are the jugular wow. questions. And if you're not prepared for those, then you're not prepared. That question went straight to the heart of the matter. Yeah, that was brutal. There was zero fat in that question. And she botched it. Let's play a few more audio cuts. Let's play this one here Um, from Kareem Jean-Pierre. All right. Here we go. When you and the White House and the president all say that the president takes these classified documents very seriously, without commenting on the ongoing uh, legal issue, what would you point us to that would demonstrate that seriousness? I'm going to really refer you to the White House Counsel's office. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. You keep saying he takes it seriously, and so they ask, how do we know? How do we know he takes it seriously? Give us an example of how right. he takes it seriously. Yep. Since you've given us that answer, yep. we need to know how. How? Wow. Boy. Yeah, and let let's let's have this question here. All right, here we go. Okay. Here right. we go. All, All right. right. Okay. The president said last week that he has no regrets when it comes to the handling of classified documents. Why doesn't he have regrets, given that classified documents keep turning up? I talked about this uh, last week. I'm not going to go beyond what the president said, 
again, I would refer you to the White House Counsel for anything further on um, on on this legal matter. Again, I'm just I spoke to this yesterday. I'm just not last week. Pardon me, last Friday. I'm just not going to go beyond That's what the president. That's not a legal question. It's about his statement from last I, week. I understand, and I said I'm not going to go beyond what the president said. Uh, and I think it speaks for speaks for itself. I'm not going to go into. <laughs> See, this is the problem. This is what I'm talking about when they keep changing their non-answers. We're following the process out of respect for the process. We're not going to comment. Well, everything you say you can't comment on it, but the president's commenting on it, and we just want See, an explanation that's as the to what problem. the president's commenting on. Which this is isn't this it, isn't about the White House counsel. This is specifically the president said he takes it seriously. Give us one example. And and there's the problem the, is that the that Joe Biden I, couldn't help himself. That's the point. No, but that's the point you brought up. That Joe Biden, by his responses, is actually some of the biggest controversies because he's saying, basically, I have no regrets for this situation. What do you mean you have no regrets? Top secret documents have been found all over your office and over the place where you live. And they've been spread out and you're claiming you have no idea why they're there. Right. Which means that somebody in your family's involved in it. Well, you got to explain more than this because you're giving you're giving answers, and then we ask you to explain your answer, not the investigation, your answer, and you're saying refer to the White House counsel. Well, why? This isn't about the investigation. This is about Joe Biden's answers. Oh, my gosh. And they this were, is the they internal were, strife. This is the uh, implosion that's going on right now because Joe Biden can't control his mouth. There's only one answer. But he had to bring in the mention of his personal attorneys the first time he spoke of it. And then we get to the other thing, because this is what they see are the responses of the they're like, OK, we can't ask about the investigation. Let's go to the responses of the the, the president. And this one is the surprised comment. Yeah. Right. right. So right. here we go. He just said the president said that he did not know the documents were there. I'm not actually sure he has said that that clearly. Are you saying the president did well, not he know? He said he was surprised. He said he was surprised. Any of the documents. He said he was surprised. I'm just going to leave it there, and I'm going to refer you to the White House Counsel's office. He, I'm just repeating what he said, and he said. You just said. You said he, he didn't said, know the documents were he there. He said he was surprised that the documents were there. He said that, and that he takes this very seriously. That's what I want to make sure that the American people understand. And I and they don't understand <laughs> the polls. And they showing. don't. Well, that was where she said he didn't know the documents were there, and that's where she called. She goes, "Well, wait a minute." Then you're saying he's never specifically said he didn't know the documents were there, and that's when she went back to, "Oh, he said they were surprised." <laughs> oh my gosh, it is just so bad right now. Oh. It's probably the most correct Barack Obama ever was as president. We're here at four, almost 4.16 Central Time in the morning here on this January 24th. Eric and I, we said this yesterday, but we'll be official today. We agree with something that former President Obama said. And we think that it is... The most accurate that he ever was as president. Yes. Never underestimate Joe Biden's ability to F things up. (laughs) You think you 
have a controversy, just wait. I mean, it's everywhere. And I'm telling you, the more this they, we get into this, the more I am subscribing to that theory that there is real internal strife here. I believe quite possibly between Biden and his personal attorneys, Biden and the chief of staff, current current chief of staff for the time being, Ron Klain, and everybody on staff there at the White House under Ron Klain, which is why Ron Klain is leaving, because Biden is defiant to anybody and everybody. He wants to talk about this. How dare you tell him what he can have and can't have? So, all of a sudden, guy by the name of Ian Sams becomes the White House or the White House Counsel uh, spokesperson and is appearing all over MSNBC. <laughs> but still, again, really can't answer any questions. Twice in the last week or so, two different times, uh, there's been a, a White House put out statements suggesting that the search for these documents were complete. And each of those times, more documents were therefore found. So it's a, it, explain, explain that, how that could happen. And also, do you understand the, the sense of a, does that hurting the credibility of the White House as you are trying to tell the American people, hey, we're trying to do the business, your business, while doing this too? Jonathan, thanks for that question. And look, I think in any investigation, I talked a little bit about this last week when I took questions from uh, the press corps here at the White House about this. In any investigation, information develops. <laughs> they, had to find, they had to find somebody who didn't, wasn't, they, we got to find somebody who can smile through all of this uh-huh. and say, oh, I'm glad you asked that question. Thank you for that question. Yeah, thank oh, you so much. Oh, I've been waiting really for that question. You thank answer. you so much yeah. for asking that question that we can't answer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and things happen. Information develops <laughs> is the equivalent of eh, stuff happens. And we have, we have more audio coming up because we have to we have to play that audio from uh, from uh, Morning Joe. All right, because I was just, just <laughs> it's it's just pure insanity, yeah. and it's drip 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 yeah. drip drip every single day. Yeah, it is every single day. Eight six six ninety red eye. Wholesale egg prices are coming down a bit, but U.S. egg production continues to run below a year ago. USDA livestock analyst Shale Shagham says we now have complete numbers for December. During December, we produced about 652 million dozen, which was about 6.6% below a year ago. Now, those eggs were being produced by approximately uh, 308 million layers, which was also down about 5.8% from a year ago. Shagam says bird flu continues to cause losses of layers as producers have to destroy entire flocks to keep the virus from spreading. Lower production and holiday demand sent average wholesale egg prices soaring just before Christmas to about 5.40 a dozen. However, as of this past Friday... We were looking at egg prices of about 334 a dozen. So uh, we have seen egg prices come down, but we're still talking about fairly strong egg prices. Wholesale prices this year expected to average $2.05 a dozen. They averaged only $1.18 in 2021. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. 
Join the conversation using the Shell Rotella hotline, 866-907-3339. Red Eye Radio at Shell Rotella. What matters is inside. Most folks just stick with the diesel engine oil they know, because why sweat the details? But you don't. You're one of those who'd make the switch, and we're talking to you. Senex Maxtron Synthetic. It's Friday Radio. I'm Gary McNamara. He's Eric Harley. All right, let's go to MSNBC. This is uh, Morning Joe yesterday, again, talking to uh, Ian Samson. He is the one, because Kareem Jean-Pierre is doing such a horrible job, hmm. who's t- supposed to bring confidence uh, to the position of the, uh, the, the, the White House. He's not succeeding at doing it. <laughs> he's smiling, and he's confident doing it, but he is no more convincing than Kareem Jean-Pierre. But uh, here, this is uh, Morning Joe Mika and Joe. How could this happen? And do you agree having classified documents outside of where they should be is a serious issue? Yeah, look, the president takes this very seriously, as you heard him say multiple times in the last week. And, you know, I understand the question about how this happened. And I think it's really important to understand that's exactly the type of thing a Justice Department investigation would be looking at. And so when you appropriately believe in the independence of a Justice Department to be able to conduct (laughs) investigations free from undue influence and interference that this president has committed going all the way back to the campaign, you know, that is why we're deferring to the Justice Department to answer some of these questions. They're going to be tasked with finding all the facts, putting it all together, understanding exactly what happened, asking the questions. That's appropriate. That's why we're fully cooperating, to understand how this happened. And the president no, 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 is giving wait, them wait, access wait, wait, wait. to doesn't what they the, need to the answer. Now, like, like, does the DOJ need to tell the president why the president has classified documents in his home? I don't understand that. <laughs> Well, Joe, I understand the question, and I think that it's really just gets to the heart of the matter. The DOJ is the one who's tasked with finding out all the facts here. And the DOJ is going to ask questions, and the DOJ is going to seek information. And we're being fully cooperative with that process. We hope that that process moves forward thoroughly and efficiently so that we can get all the answers out there. And so we're just going to be respectful. I think it's more appropriate for questions about the underlying investigation to be addressed by the Justice Department. But again, we're going to offer up full cooperation and ensure that they have access as to what they need. Okay, Ian, the, the, the question, though, I'm, I'm sort of stuck on here is I understand that there is an investigation, there's a limit to what you can say and all that. But there are obvious possibilities here as to how in the world this could have happened. Are there any that you can share with us? Well, I, again, I understand you're asking these questions, but we... <laughs> By the way, they've got to stop saying... I can understand why you're asking this question. Thank you for asking. Thank that you for question. asking. I understand why you're asking. And I it. know why people want the answer to right. that question. <laughs> I know why there's a question mark at the end of questions. And I also know why they call it questions and they call it answers. And answers is what everyone wants. That's what we're here for. I'm with you on that in that we are looking for those answers, which is why the Justice Department will be finding those answers. And, and, you know, and I want to thank you again for that question. And you know what he's trying to do? Mm. He's trying to sort of separate himself from the president yeah. as if he's just analyzing the situation. I was, I was, st- I was thinking to myself because yeah. I thought if this were an SNL bit, the final 
bit to his response would be, and if that guy goes to prison, thank God it's not me because I didn't do any of this. I just, uh, the, the, it's just it getting, it's getting to be just humorous because that's MSNBC. Yeah. Understand, that's as liberal as you can get, and they're not buying into anything. When do you have to stop saying before it come, becomes, it's already parody to us that the mm-hmm. president takes these things extremely seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, we, yeah. we know that's false. You're right. Everybody knows that's false. Right. They keep repeating that over and over and over again. And don't underestimate the fact that the response that the White House has given is why the majority of Americans, and it's close to two-thirds of Americans in less than two weeks, looks at this and says, this is bad for the president. He handled this thing. This is totally inappropriate what has happened here. And it's because of the way they've responded. Nobody buys it. Right. Yet they keep saying the exact, using the exact same wording. When do they have to stop it and change up to something else? Individuals and businesses with tax problems. Listen carefully. Do you feel like you're losing control of your finances? If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. The other thing is, uh, too, I mean, uh, uh, a uh, uh, the New York Times story on uh, on Sunday uh, that uh, showed that Biden's personal attorneys told the Department of Justice that the only location where classified documents were stored was at the Penn Biden Center. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the story out there, you know, conservative media is taking that and saying, well, wait a minute. This means President Biden's personal attorneys reportedly misled the Department of Justice in November about the classified documents being stored at his Wilmington residence shortly after the documents were unearthed. The White House and the DOJ reportedly agreed to hide the scandal from the American people. It's unclear why Biden's personal attorneys were initially searching for his, his illegally stashed documents. The White House has provided, or has, excuse me, has uh, failed to provide a reason. After the initial discovery on November 2nd, Biden's personal attorneys told the Department of Justice the only location where troves of classified uh, documents were stored was at the Penn Biden Center, the New York Times reported on Sunday. Weeks later, Biden's personal attorneys unearthed additional troves at his garage on December 20th. Still, the scandal remained hidden from the public, despite later claims of total transparency. On January 9th, the scandal was leaked to CBS News. White House officials are reportedly suspicious about how Biden's classified document scandal was leaked to the press after only a select group of White House and Department of Justice officials knew about the violations. The leak of the scandal apparently caused Biden's attorneys to resume searching his home for more classified documents. The searches took place and unearthed more classified materials on January 11th and January 12th. At that point, a total of 25 classified documents had been found to be mishandled uh, by the, uh, the, uh, the, the president. On January 14th, the White House claimed that all searches for the classified documents were completed but would not confirm if additional classified documents remained under Biden's personal possession in violation of the law. The additional uh, troves unearthed by Biden's personal attorneys were followed by the Department of Justice's request to conduct its own search of his home. The president's attorneys agreed. The Department of Justice search was conducted Friday and found six more items consisting 
of classified markings, according to the president's personal attorney. The Trove Unearthed Friday is an addition to about the 25 classified documents. Now, we don't know if the items are documents or the items could be boxes where the documents were enclosed. Right. Now, the interesting thing is, because it's very important, as, as we have said from the very, very beginning, they're not being honest that they've always totally cooperated. Right. Because, number one, we were told, you're told, oh, Biden invited, you know, so they've been saying, Biden invited the FBI to come in and search. As if he led that. He right. didn't lead it. No, he didn't. The Department of Justice said, we want to search, and they said, okay. But that's not how they're selling the story. No, it they're isn't. Not, they're and, not selling and, this. They're not. And the tell is the timing. If the if he had led the search at the very least, even if it didn't happen early November, if if he invited, if Biden invited the FBI in, then why didn't he do that in December? No, no, no. He invited them in uh, last Friday. No, no, no. Right. That's the point I'm making. Right. The tell is in the timing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Right, right. Yes. Okay, I see what you mean. We're taking the lead. Well, right. no, you're not. Right. Well, because when they first, when they first discovered, because this is very, very important, and this has not, I don't think this is well known enough even yet, mm-hmm. because it's like we've always cooperated. No, you haven't. Because no. when they first discovered the documents, they didn't call the Department of Justice. No, they didn't. They didn't call the FBI. No, nope. they called the White House. Then the White House contacted the National Archives. They never, neither Biden, Biden's attorneys nor the White House ever contacted the FBI. They went to the National Archives. It was the National Archives Inspector General that said, whoa, I've got to contact the FBI and the Department of Justice, that's how they got involved in it. Yeah. No, that's, and and the timing is everything. If they were truly, because they want you to believe by inviting the FBI last week that they were taking the lead, that's the whole point. Right. Well, no, they weren't. No, the, the, the timing of all this tells us that you never were. Right. And they weren't last week because the FBI requested that, hey, we want to come in and do some searching. They said, "Okay, come on in. Right. As if as if by saying inviting as if, oh, they just out of the blue said to the FBI, look, why don't you come in uh, and and search for documents without the FBI (laughs) saying we want to come in and search for more documents. Right. Wow. I mean, it just is. I mean, every single day is just it's drip, drip, drip. This is they're making it worse every single day. And and seriously, when you when you've lost the public, as they clearly have early on in this. Yeah, because the first poll that came out was it was it Harvard Harris poll uh, that had come out and said roughly two thirds of Americans believe this is really totally inappropriate of biden they believe he handled it inappropriately yeah so they don't believe it's inadvertent and that was early on that was a couple of days into it Mm -hmm. then there's been two more polls in fact the then the rasmussen poll came out yesterday the same thing 64 percent no and so they keep saying we take this very seriously we take this he takes this very seriously 
day in and day out to keep repeating that. Nobody buys it. Democrats don't buy it. Nobody does. And it's really interesting because this administration has done it a lot and gotten away with it. Where, as we've said before, they know they're lying. Mm. They know the media knows they're lying. They know that the public knows that they're lying. They know that the media knows that the public knows that everybody knows they're lying. And they continue to lie. And in the past, nobody really has challenged them on it. Right. And now they're being challenged. And the one thing you don't do is challenge Joe Biden. This is the biggest problem is his ego. If he had the discipline to repeat one short sentence, we're following the process and out of respect for the process, we won't be taking questions and we won't comment. End it. Uh, you can't do that. They are. And, and so not only are they not doing that, now they're sending out more people to say the exact same thing, to change the non-answers repeatedly. That's the problem. The media sees the break in the levy. It's very simple when you have the discipline. But he doesn't. And that's the problem. They can't control what he's saying. And, and that's been the biggest problem, as we pointed out last half hour when we played the different audio cuts where everything was, you know, the, the most important parts of those press conferences were basically throwing back the words of the president. And they're saying, well, we can't. You have to go to the White House counsel. Well, the White House counsel didn't say this. Right. This isn't about the documents. This is about the president's response to that. Yep. We have to go to the White House counsel. No, so every time he speaks, he's not going to explain what he means, right? We have to go to the White House Counsel. That's what also, he's already said. That also won't answer it, and every and everybody knows this too, because they kept going to the fact. Well, we can't answer that because you know we we respect the integrity of the investigation. Everybody knows that's the biggest load of horse manure. Every Democrat knows it. Hey, I'll tell you this: Morning Joe and Mika know it yep. on MSNBC. Yep, they know it. Yep. Now, Whoopi may not know it, but she is in a delusional world that is beyond anything. You'd have to you'd have to be. You'd have to be serving Syntha Hall on a spaceship way out on the other side of the universe to believe the stuff that Whoop, Whoopi believes. Yeah. And maybe real alcohol. And maybe real alcohol, right, not the Syntha Hall that she was that she was peddling. She was she was selling fake booze. Yes. On the Enterprise. Yeah, she was. <laughs> that should be illegal. <laughs> in, in any universe. <laughs> But that's the thing is everybody, I, man, I just, I, I would, I wish I was, uh, you know, I, I, and I was old enough where I could have paid attention and I knew it was going on, but you didn't have, again, you didn't have the coverage that you do today. I, I will say this, you know, I'm thinking of back to Watergate, you know, how did it feel in, in, in Watergate? But most of that was newspaper reporting and little clips on the news at night. You didn't have the ability of the internet. Right. You know, to go and hear and see all, you know, the watch the entire press. You couldn't go on your own and watch the entire press conference. Right. You couldn't find it anywhere. Right. There was only four networks. But and and so you really can't make the comparison of it. But in the 24 seven news media that we're in, it's like, OK, keep repeating the same thing that nobody is buying. And and then I would ask and. Yeah. You know, if, I, if I'm part of the, you know, the the uh, the the White House. Uh, 
press office because they they're not saying the same things by accident. It's not coincident coincidence, right? It's they believe this is their best strategy, which has failed miserably. And it's like, okay, send somebody out there with a smiley face to do it. Who doesn't panic? But when Kareem Jean-Pierre, when Pete Ducey asked her, and we played that, that may be the audio cut of the week. That could be the audio cut of the year. Yeah. No. Is it's, it, it's, she's absolutely, she sounds like her breath was literally taken away. Because, they, because I've already seen the headline in some conservative, White House does not deny that it's a cover-up. And the first thing you do is scream, no. Your response in its tone should be scolding the person who asked that question. That's the only way. And it's denial, denial, denial. And it may be a flat-out lie, but tell me that it's not better than what happened. Well, the interesting point is I don't see anywhere where after she said that, and that's hours old, I mean, that's way over 12 hours old now, that nobody in the White House has come on it. We need to correct it. No, the president is not involved in a cover-up. Have you seen that? No. I haven't seen it yet. And no. that was amazing because that's what Ducey asked. He said, is a president involved in a cover-up? And she never said, no, Peter, that's ridiculous. No, he is not. And I'm like, you weren't prepped for that question? It should be, and this is the experience that you look for is somebody who knows immediately before he finishes the question very loudly, no, he's not involved in a cover-up. Will anybody ask that to Mr. Uh, Sams today? Will anybody well, ask, thank will you for I, asking that question, Gary, because I think somebody should be asking Ian Sams that question. <laughs> and then he'll say, well, thank you for asking that question about the cover-up. And here's what we know of cover-ups. Cover-ups happen when people are trying to cover up things. And so we understand the question of you so being concerned question about, in- about uh, a, a cover-up. And the last thing that we would ever want to do would be to cover up about a cover-up. But we suggest that you go to the White House Counsel's Office for that. Well, you are the White House Counsel's Office. Ah, again, uh, but I don't for speak that for them. No, that's actually right. literally your job. <laughs> well, thank you for pointing that out. I really... I really appreciate that question, but in this case, I don't speak for them. Why not? Because I choose not to. <laughs> there is what what you're seeing is that there's zero confidence. Oh, there's man. no confidence at all. And you know, if Biden is going to, you know, just run his mouth, and you can't control him, you can control yours. That's the easy, the easiest answer. Easiest answer to any question so far, and it turned out to be, her response turned out to be the worst answer she's given to any question so far. The easiest answer is no. No, yeah. No, there's not a cover-up. You scold him in your tone and responding to him. That's a given, and she botched it. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. You know the one thing we're just talking here. Trump used to get himself in trouble because he would talk too much. He was talking all the time. You think about this and Biden and this scandal. He's probably, he's answered three questions. Right. And the questions have only been, uh, his answers, 10 seconds, 15 seconds long. Yeah. And it's become, that has become the focus of so much of nobody believing him to the point where I'm thinking, is inside the White House, are they thinking, I mean, is that one of the reasons Ron Klain is gone? It's like, look, Biden wants to get out there and answer questions. Answer questions? We can't even talk, have him talk for 10 seconds without blowing this entire thing. I'm thinking they might be thinking, let's, we need to cancel the State of the Union address because he may be sitting up there and say, well, I'll take a question here from a member of Congress. Well, he <laughs> should uh, pre-tape it, you know, because COVID. It's... <laughs> You just you can't have him out in public, and and he might no matter even at the State of the Union, the teleprompter. Oh, may he may want to ad lib. Oh, yeah, he may want to ad lib. Yeah, wow, just amazing. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.